where actually this email campaign is it's its intention is to create an element of virality like your intent it is to educate the candidate something to be said about putting something out that is just like not perfect but it's a move in the right direction it's better than like what you had before ready to go buddy ready to go awesome this is the content recruiter podcast it has been another week in the world of recruitment and we are back for episode 19 or 20 one or the other of the content recruiter but it's good to be back how are you season two season 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 two yeah good yes uh yeah man uh i want to yeah let's just get into it never mind i won't won't do any kind of fucking rambling all right cool well it's uh it's definitely episode two of season two we are um Nate and I have just been chatting before the podcast. Nate's just come off a big, big webinar today with a company called Accelerate and giving his opinion on all things personal branding within recruitment, which was, uh, you know what, Nate, you know, one of actually my, uh, probably one of the best things I've heard in a recruitment webinar was what you were talking about when it came to personal branding, because I feel like there's a lot of hand wavy stuff on personal branding like everyone should just do it yada 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 and nobody ever talks about the emotional um impact of it because when you are publishing content you need to be quite thick skinned don't you yeah it's hard isn't yeah. it? it's like a swing of emotions i remember when i when i when i was doing it and i know you've done it more so you'll have more opinions on this but and you you alluded to it as a little red notification on the app on your mobile and when that pings after you posted content, I don't care. Like, or maybe you get to a certain level and you genuinely don't, you don't care what people say or think. But I think when you're at a certain level in the early days, when that little notification goes off and then you open the app, like you're genuinely terrified about what people think about your own thoughts. I was. Yeah. And it used to consume my life. Yeah. An hour or two after I posted. Terrified. Or, or if it's... Uh... The anxiety of like clicking post and then not a lot happening <laughs> you know that's the other thing too yeah crickets which is uh yeah I, we've probably talked about this before but like i think there there's a there's an actual like uh some people like have a misconception about how popular my my stuff is my my, my, my posts aren't that popular in like the the grand like you know like within the context of like a lot of engagement. Like my posts don't get that much engagement. Every now and then I'll have one that like, you know, might get a couple hundred likes or, you know, a good amount of comments and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's like, it's not really that much. But um, the there's nothing that's better for a person who's gonna do this than to just bomb, to just like post and get like nothing. And that's happened to me, that's even happened to me like kind of recently. And you're just like, you, what you realize is when you go, when, when you basically like continue to put out like the same level of stuff, let's say, and one does really well, and then another one does nothing, you realize how much of this stuff is out completely out of your control. The yeah. only thing you can control is what you put out. Besides that, you're dealing with like algorithms and participation on the platform and like all this stuff that's like, you don't have a say in whatsoever. Um, so 
you just got to keep going. But but it's really good. It's good for the ego to go like, all right, I'm not that important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And and but actually, like one of the um, things that you spoke about on the on the webinar, I think that deserves a lot of uh, a bit of a shout out because it was um, nobody talks about the emotional toll that that publishing content has on people. Um, it's not easy to put yourself out there. And when I even you know when I look at creators on LinkedIn. I've actually blocked a couple recently. And just after your webinar today, when you were talking about the emotional side, I felt kind of bad because I was like, you know what? These people are just doing their best to create um, a better life for themselves, aren't they? Essentially. That's why everyone does it, isn't it? I mean, people say, oh, I want to give value. I want to give value. But ultimately what comes at the end of value is cash. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I mean, too many people, there are too many people in this world um, we were having this conversation with friends last night. Too many people in this world worry that they are, that they need some bigger purpose when actually all they want is the cash to do more interesting <laughs> things, to fuel the hobbies. Is that fair? Or is that like, and, and obviously well, there's not one answer for everyone. Um, man, that's a very philosophical conversation. The pod's gone in a different route this week. It really has. Uh, I'm like contemplating now. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I actually, uh, you know, you, you see, okay, so you hear people, I've heard people talk who have all of, like the financial resources that they would ever need. Mm. And then there's, there's something lacking. I get like, it. Yeah. But, but then, it, but then again, it's like, it, it feels like different phases of your life, you know, like, what do you, it's, uh, there, there's a balance. I, I don't really know. We could, we could really like talk for a long time about that. We, we, we should talk about recruitment stuff, but before we do, if purpose was the thing that mattered and money didn't, probably well, a lot, a lot, um, a lot cheaper and PCs probably wouldn't exist because who gives a shit about the money? Huh? Uh, yeah, good point. Who I mean, um, I, I think, I think, I think there's more, I think, I think you're right. I think people who've got lots of cash and lots of disposable income are probably in a stage where they, they crave more and there's more, there is more to life. Of course there is, but having the money is a huge, huge benefit, isn't it? It is a huge benefit. And unless like you've ever, like, honestly, like one of the, a big value of, I mean, this is like, we talked about this with like entrepreneurship. It's like, it's very, uh, it's unpredictable, especially like in the growth stages from the, the building the growth it's not until like you get to a certain point where like finances are actually predictable um and so like going through that and be and experiencing what it's like to to have to be extra resourceful the the things that come with not having enough money <laughs> in retrospect are always really valuable and you don't realize how much money matters until you're in those spots he took me back to a story that we we're just about to tell before we record on this. It was just me at a whiteboard this morning, <laughs> looking at. Um, so I just obviously launched an agency and looking at the RPO offering from the agency and trying to like position it. And I did such a fucking terrible job. <laughs> I remember drawing on this whiteboard. I was like, hmm, this doesn't make any sense to me either. And actually having a load of money going to a product person, a product marketer and being like, hey, may help, help me make sense of this is a lot less stressful than just being on your own in a space yeah. trying to make sense of a product that you're trying to take to market. But um, yeah, I think I think money solves a lot of problems, if not all of them. Um, yeah. but, but not all of them, rather. Um, 
world of recruitment what's been uh, what's been happening this week in your world Nate? in our world let's see we uh we finally you know here here's like a lesson um I don't know, like maybe like permission for, for other people to, we, we, um, we've been working in the, uh, behind the scenes on this, like new, like new redesign for our website and for the offering that we have, which is called a team profile landing pages, basically, um, just like a new, a new design. And we've been working on it. When we first started, we thought it was only going to take a couple, couple weeks and it's taken, months and months and months um it's been and it's been going on and we finally we got to the point where it was like do we just kick this thing out the door as it is and ask for permission or do we just wait longer and we just we decided like let's kick this thing out the door and just like ask for permission because not everything is perfect um you know not every customer is going to be happy about it um it's created a lot of work with me as the, our account manager with people going like, Hey, this looks different. Can you fix this? Whatever it might be. But you know what? Like it's uh, it was, a, it was actually like a really big deal. And now like what we offer has way more functionality. Um, it's just a better product. And, uh, and I think the new site design is like super cool. And uh, yeah, but it, but it's like, you like, there's something to be said about putting something out that is just like not perfect, but it's a move in the right direction. It's better than like what you had before. Yes, yes, yes. And this is what we talk about all the time on this podcast. When brand teams get hold of ideas, it's a disaster, isn't it? It is. It is. Because there's no way like we would have pushed our website out if it was, if it was anybody besides like Jackson, my co-founder and me. Yeah. Like if we had some marketing, like we had a marketing department or whatever, oh, there's like no way. Like it, it just wouldn't have gone out. There's like too many little things that aren't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting mindset. Um, we, and all actually, you know, I, I, I um, when you pay, when you pay attention to the, the entrepreneurs who built something big, they always say you're shit fast, don't they? Shit they fast. do. They do. And it, I'm glad you said that. Like, because, because, um, it, it sounds like a rah-rah kind of a thing. And, and, but do you know where I think the rah-rah comes from? I think it comes from the audience. I think the audience goes, yeah, like that sounds awesome, shit fast, whatever. Yeah. But when they're the one who has to do it. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I know. And like, <laughs> yeah, the, what, what you find out in, like largely is that there's going to be, there's going to be a small amount of people who care, mm. but most people don't. And the people that care are usually your fans and <laughs> you just talk to them about it and talk them off the edge of it. Like you, you're right about the, about the employee brand, about the uh, personal brand stuff. It's almost this thing of like in the grand scheme of things in relation to what's happening in people's personal lives and the grand scheme of, of, of like the world, we are so insignificant, aren't we, as individuals? Like, unless you're on a seriously big level with a big audience, like, you know, I've seen like Jordan Peterson explode this week after the yeah. Piers Morgan. Um, and you've got like Elon Musk's of the world, the real, real big, big, big people, Jeff Bezos, et cetera. 
Like, unless you're on that level, what you say really doesn't matter, does it? People forget. It doesn't. People forget. Even the famous, famous people, like, generally can yeah. check out the worst kind yeah, of yeah. things in the world. So, interesting. Um, you. So we were going to chat about um, the importance of, of candidate experience this week, and I am intrigued about what that actually means, because it all sounds really exciting when we talk about how candidate experience can become this huge talent attraction lever. Um, is that a myth? Uh, well, okay, let's break it down. Let's. Let's break it down. Um, okay, so there, so let's see, this is how I thought about it today. I like, I, I put it, I wrote a post about it because it helps me kind of formulate my thoughts. Um, cause I knew we were going to be talking about this. So, uh, here's how I thought about it yeah. is that, um, there's a, um, there is this, like companies tend to, they, they try to make sense of employer branding. It's hard to make sense of, it's, it's, it's hard to make sense out of that topic because it's like, well, what is it? Why are we doing it? How do you measure it? Who's in, who leads it? Creative, blah, 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 like all this kind of stuff. And there's like a lot of like inaction as a result, or there's a lot of like really like half-ass attempts to do something because it feels like it's important. Um, but the, the experience that a job candidate, right? A, a potential hire has with your company is the thing that actually matters. And like, I do believe this, like this, this one liner of like the experience is the brand, but, but if you think about it, like the, the way that I think about it is, is like, it's almost like, like, it's more like marketing, how marketing would think about it is like, okay, well, every interaction or every little touch point that this tar target market has with our company matters. And that's a, that's an opportunity to differentiate ourselves or stand out as a company that like really understands our market and what their needs are. And I think that like stems, that goes, that goes from like first touch point message landing in somebody's inbox from a recruiter to the tools they use to how they hand, hand off between, you know, a recruiter to a hiring manager, the copy that's on a job description, the copy that's on a website, like all these like little micro touches are the thing that actually matters the most because then on the, because what comes out the other end is the opportunity for word of mouth. Word of mouth is very, very hard to achieve in recruitment. Um, because we're, because again, we've talked about this before, but we're talking about like human beings and we're talking about jobs, which are different than products, right? Like if you, you, you've shared products with me, I've shared products with you. It's like, Hey, I really like this thing, Nate. I know what you like. I think you would like it too. You know, that's very different than sharing like a job with somebody. And so um, word of mouth is really hard to achieve, but if you can create this like really good experience, whether somebody actually ends up getting hired or not, I think the opportunity for word of mouth and referrals, which matter more in certain sectors of the labor market, um, it's like, it's better, it's easier to achieve those things. So I think like this, this brand conversation should actually be focused on candidate experience instead. So one more thing, I know I'm talking a lot, but one more thing that I thought about is I, is, uh, cause I talk about employer branding, you know, and, and uh, I get associated with that. I get asked the question, what is an, what is employer brand? What is an employer branding or whatever? And it, I think it's like, it's the perception 
that either an employee or a job candidate has about what it's like to work at your company. And then that's like your employer brand. It's the perception that exists. And that perception exists regardless of whether you do anything about it or not. We all have perceptions about literally everything that we see through our eyes and what we experience. And so the act of employer branding is an attempt to influence that perception. And I feel what has the, the, the greatest ROI or the most amount of influence is the experience that real human beings have when they interact with your company through the process of hiring. Hmm. And until you have that, what you're doing is you're like, you're trying, you're trying to drive people into a process that is like broken or decent at best, but that's like ridiculous, right? It'd be like market trying to drive people to a product that doesn't work right. That's like, but that, that's what I, so I don't even like, it feels like the conversation about employer branding is uh, for most, for, for, for many companies is like, they're just not ready to have that conversation. No, they're not. It's too soon, isn't it? It's too soon. You, you, can't, right. you can't go from just having a recruiting function that's, that's essentially um, built on, but it's essentially a sourcing function, isn't it? You can't go Yes. From, Thank the, you for the, saying it, by the way. Well, it is, but the, the two functions, so you're going from over here to sourcing, super transactional, to brand, which is takes ages to happen, lots of investment, lots of people, lots of like very, very intentional work. And it's tough. And so the leadership team just see the sourcing function, recruitment function over here, you know, being fed by job ads and, and recruits going out there and doing their thing as the thing that drives results. Whereas over here, the brand people are going, we need more money, we need more investment, we need more of it, we need. And it's constantly asking until they see outcomes from a leadership perspective, which takes a long, 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 long time to happen. So, but even when you look at it, but, so I am almost all in on the candidate experience driving results. I think it's probably the most overlooked thing that doesn't happen in recruitment today. And I don't, I don't mean that in a clickbaity way. But when you look at and observe how recruiters speak to people that are outside of the business that they want to try and hire, invariably the message from message one invariably goes to, do you want a job, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, software engineer, we're hiring for this role. Are you available? Or, hey, I'd love to connect and learn more about you. They're just trying to sell you a job. If that person isn't showing the perfect amount of intent at that, at that specific moment in time, they say no. And where does that conversation then lead to? And so invariably that conversation leads to, oh, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Candidate, I'll reach out to you in six months time. And then they maybe get put in a list on LinkedIn recruiter, or they maybe get put in a list on some automated sourcing software for a message in six months with a sequence or whatever through the lens of candidate experience, you might be rejecting 
thousands of people every single year. I think it's highly likely that if you're a certain size of business, you're at least in the hundreds of people a year, but let's say thousands. The impact of turning, or at least trying to turn those people into advocates through the most basic, the basic of things like really, really, really well-crafted email um, content through, hey, we're rejecting you, but here's why, or here's what we're building. Did you ever see, um, on a slightly separate note, did you ever see that email? There's a, there's, a, there's a company in America that like packages old CDs and music collections and stuff and sends them out. Um, and when they're going through this process of picking the products off the warehouse shelf, they send a really, really cool email to their customers. Have you ever seen this? It's not called like CD Baby or something, is it? Yes, I think that's it. I think it's genuinely called CD Baby. I'm literally going to Google it now. But I've seen... Is it Derek Sivers? I don't know. I mean, oh, oh, CD Baby. This could be it. It could be it. But I, I've seen that email so many times just through the LinkedIn feed from people who've received it. Yeah, Derek Sivers. Okay. And their order confirmation is legendary. It's on Marketing mm. Examples, which is a site from Harry Dry. Um, and it is just brilliant. And it's all just text-based. Mm-hmm. So cool. I'm going to read this out. So it says, thank you for your order with CD Baby. Your CD has been gently taken from our um, CD Baby shelves with sterilized contamination-free gloves and placed into a satin, onto a satin pillow. A team of 50 employees inspected your CD and polished it to make sure it was the best possible condition before mailing, and then our packaging specialist from Japan lit a candle and a hush fell over the crowd as he put your CD into the finest gold line box that money can buy. And there's more, but that got, that always gets shared. I always see it. How yeah. many rejection emails from companies or emails to say, we've got your profile, you've got your CV. How many recruitment teams have taken that kind of approach? With the thousands of people that land in their inbox and potentially the thousands of customers that land in their inbox because they want to work there because they love the consumer brand. Oh man. Yeah. Just like some character, some personality, some like, oh, it goes so far. You know, okay, okay. Oh, hold on, hold on. I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do this thing that we do. Take it to like the most extreme. Um, (laughs) Okay, so, but, but imagine the, if, if you were a recruitment team, who did something like this and then your email your copywriting got shared as much as that gets shared mm-hmm. and then you were to end up on harry dry's which is incredible marketing examples like newsletter and like you can't you you honestly can't buy that level of ad spend like you can't it's like it's it's too good it's too trusted. It's too like organic. It like, it, it gets, it, it's all the things that everybody's trying to achieve. If you, if you were able to create something that went, that got shared that much and became known as like, this company has like the greatest recruiting, copywriting, whatever, like you get so much, so much love. But, but there's so few companies trying to do it. Because with hate, what's the, oh, go on, go on, go on. Okay, okay, what's, what's the difference then? Like, why, why, does, uh, why does personality stop at marketing? In recruiting. 
Well, yeah, well, like it stops at marketing because it doesn't even go into sales and it doesn't, and it doesn't go into recruiting. It just, it stops at marketing. Dude, honestly, it stops at consumer marketing. It doesn't even stop at like B2B marketing is stale as hell. The, the, the obvious answer is because brands are scared of offending certain segments of their, their customer base, I would expect. Yeah. It's, it's so hard now, isn't it? You know, I go back we, you, like periodically like, uh, this, to this talking point that like the only ones I think who are really positioned to do the things that you and I believe in, the early, the creative, the, the more like risky like startups. It's just yeah. like, they're, they're just like, they're so well positioned to do things fast and scrappy and be like personable. They're not, they're not like, there just aren't these layers of approval and cover your ass. And like, I just want to protect my job there yet. No, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, um, I'm, I'm trying to think about whether this stuff even needs to be risky like i read that email from cd baby it's and <laughs> no that's not risk is it no it's not it's not ri- well okay um there's a risk or etiquette or i don't know what it is i i, I don't know but like there's just like a way to do things that are safe and avoid legal stuff i don't know well, let, let, let's let's frame this back to what that might look like from a candidate experience let, let's just let's try this because i think this is where it gets this pod is 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 better than most from a recruitment perspective because it, it, it likes that we throw ideas around right and we try and inspire yeah. people who take the time to listen which um change too many people hi man if you're listening um i i um so it doesn't have to be risky so on the basis of, so it, so BYA, your company, you do, I'm just going to call it candidate enablement. I don't know what you guys want to call it, education, whatever, top of funnel education. This email campaign, when someone lands in your inbox, is the best form of candidate enablement because it can give candidates the, the most education as they're going through the process. And I know a lot of companies do this already. Companies will say, look, the next stage is this, or they'll put it on the careers page, but it can go so much deeper, can't it? To almost at the stage where actually this email campaign is, it's, its intention is to create an element of virality, like your intent, it is to educate the candidate, but it will just be incredible if that candidate happened to hit it forward and send it to five friends or take a screenshot and put it in a WhatsApp group and say, hey, look what this company just sent to me ahead of my interview. They've just given me all, all the questions to the interview. Um, okay, that's a really interesting prompt. What, like, what can we do to create shareability? Hmm. Like, that's it. I mean, like, what, what okay, so, so now, so it's like, okay, so, Shareability. Shareability is everything from like literally like taking a screenshot and posting it on social and saying like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced when applying for a job or in an interview process to something that is just like as simple in one-to-one as, Hey, my friend is also looking for a job or my friend is unhappy at their, in their current role. 
and I want to tell them about this. You know, I mean, it could be like it, it, it runs the, the spectrum here, but um, I kind of like that prompt because there isn't shit. Okay. A recruitment process or a candidate candidate's experience is not seen as a marketing tool. Mm. But but it is. It's be, it, because when, when you can create okay, so like uh, network effects is like what, what, uh, in in tech, achieving a network effect is unicorn status. It's a decacorn status. It's like it, it is like a game changing piece of technology when you can when you can achieve network effects. Very few companies are able to do it. It's extremely difficult to do. Um, but essentially, like I'm gonna probably butcher the meaning of network effect, but it's basically like when, when like, when I'm doing some, when I'm on, let's say, using a piece of software or platform, and my friends are using it too, the the effect of the, like the the effect of the software like it increases, right? It's a better experience when, and so like I want to tell other people about it. And like, there's this like kind of like network effect ability in like a recruitment process, the ability for people to like share it with other people who they also want to have the same experience. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know that's like a, that's like a kind of a stretch and I realize that, but like, Is it there's, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. I, don't, I genuinely don't know. Like, is it? Is it a stretch for recruitment teams to create a landing page which gives away top 10 interview tips? Hey, go check this out before you interview. And I know it's boring. I know it's been done a million times and this is just an example off the bat. But why can't they get more creative with that and spin up a landing page that maybe talks more about the industry or other entry-level jobs into the industry or something. Like there's lots of options that people can, that recruitment teams can run with here from a creative perspective, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, let me, let me tell you here, let me give you an example. All right. So we just did a page for this company, GovSpend. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the links, uh, we, we have this section called useful links, whatever. It's like basically like, research links for candidates um one of their useful links that they give it says pro tip we've hired everyone who's contributed to our open source repos and also applied the github yes they 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 like literally say that on their page on like on they like so i mean that level of transparency is amazing from a company saying like hey candidate like we've hired everybody who has done these things like, if you're interested, you should also do those things. Um, I thought that that was just like a really cool, like, insider's thing that they're just putting out there publicly. It is cool. It is. Because I imagine there'll be software engineers that potentially don't apply to them for whatever reason, but they will remember something like that. Yeah. And they will tell their friends. It, yeah, it, it is. It's unique. It's very tactical. Um, you know, you just don't see it, but like that, see, that's the thing where you can like, like a little bit like behind the, behind the scenes here, their CTO 
is the one who's leading this project. Their CTO did uh, like submitted all the information for the page. And it's like, that's the difference. That's coming from a CTO who is like really interested in hiring. It's not coming from a recruiter or like a head of talent. Like he's thinking differently. He's thinking about like, he's thinking, he's looking at this like as an engineer or the engineers that I'm going to hire, like here's everything they care about. It's a totally different experience. So like the experience that an engineer is going to get when they come to this page is like an engineering experience. Yeah. And they, they've, they've genuinely given um, thought to where these people are spending their time as well. Totally. Uh, which is, which is interesting. Um, just going back onto this, this point of creating this almost this network effect within within the candidate experience process. Um, what, what, what do people want? Like what are people, because I imagine there are, there are certain emotions. I feel like marketers are almost like running an orchestra at times. Like they, they manage to find a way to trigger emotions within people. And I think the best marketers are the ones that create emotion and solve a problem what when people are going through an interview process how are they feeling like what, what what's the first thing that comes into your head oh they're they're um i would imagine they're uh of course it depends on their circumstances but but when they're for anybody even if you're gainfully employed you're a gainfully employed senior engineer the only reason you're going through the process is because at that point in your career you're looking for some kind of different future. You're looking for some kind of different experience than the one that you already have. Maybe it's now growth opportunities. Maybe it's a, it might be a level up in comp. It might be something new for your family. It might be work life balance, whatever it might be. You're, you wouldn't be doing it just for like the fun of it. Fucking dude, who wants to go through an interview process? Like nobody, like it's not fun. Mm. Um, so, but you're looking for two things, like a different future, um, and you're looking for, um, like, uh, information. So, so anxiety, like how I'm going to get philosophical just for one second. No, okay. a lot of times anxiety surfaces when you don't have enough information, right. because you, then what you, you're going into the unknown, you're going to the unknown. So what you do is your, your brain fills in those gaps with, with whatever with whatever you think, right? It's like, uh, uh, because it makes you feel safe. And, and, and a, an interview process is, is high anxiety. So you're looking at different future plus information. All right, let's, so going to, why, why, why is it anxiety? What, what's causing it? Dude, you're being judged. You are like, literally being judged by a stranger. You're being judged by a stranger and, and you're competing against other strangers. So, so this, this, I hate this term imposter syndrome, but that's essentially an element of imposter syndrome during the interview process. So what, what can recruiting teams do to take that away? Because I know recruiting teams are busy and we all can sit here and go, Oh, we're too busy sourcing. But what you and I are saying now is, if you get this right, your sourcing time can reduce dramatically. 
if you get this engine of candidate experience right to then drive advocacy and ultimately referrals. Right, so, right. So they're feeling anxious because they're being judged. Like what can recruitment teams do today? What's the quickest thing they can do today to help take that away? Because my perspective is probably give... You need to... Yeah, go. Mm, go ahead. I was going to say, like, there's two things that came to mind for me initially. The first one is like full transparency. Give them the things that they need to know ahead of the interview. What is going to be asked of them in the interview? Because I don't want people that um, are good interviewers. I want people that prepare themselves for a certain situation and, and go into it knowing what's coming to a degree. Like, there's very few times in, in a business, unless you're in very early startup stage where you have to pivot so quickly and the world's on fire and you have to change everything. Like, it doesn't happen. But 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 if you are that type of company, mm. you just you just say that you are. Like I remember my uh, my early days at Job Portraits, um, mm. there was uh, these kind of like evergreen evergreen blog posts that they wrote them before I was there. But like um, that were just like part of it, part of the hiring process or whatever. It was like, and it was like one was like. Uh, Who's not right for this job? Who, who's not right for this company at this stage? That's what it was, not the job, any job. But no. it was like, who's not right for this company? And it was like, if you can't do or handle emotionally these things, because these things are going to happen. Um, like, I'll never forget this job, like job description, job ad. It was this like cool blog post that they wrote when they were hiring an account manager. And it was like, looking for like an account manager with like high ambiguity. I don't know with the, like, it was basically like saying like, we're looking for an account manager who can come into a situation that is extremely unclear. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's that stuff, but it's like taking a step back and going like, okay, this is, this is an extremely like high anxiety experience for somebody. And so what are all the things like, let's one acknowledge that let's just say it out loud. Like there's, you know, so much of the shit can be handled with copywriting, like just by like putting words out there. Like we know this is a high anxiety like experience for you. Trust, like, like trust us. We're anxious too. Do you know how many times I've received that kind of email as a freelancer seeing 15 different companies? Yeah. Someone not once and not once have I done it as a recruiter, sent an email saying, Oh, maybe that's not fair, actually. I, 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 there's been plenty of occasions where you sent an email to a candidate going, hey, I know you're going to be feeling nervous on the day. We'd love to, yada, yada. But not as a kind of uniform process running out throughout the business. To your point, every touch point, everything, like the standard yeah. stuff every candidate sees. Yeah. But like, is, imagine a landing page. Like, we landing, know this yeah. is, like, you're anxious. We're anxious, too. Here's everything you need to know. Dude, landing page would be beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Do you know what else would be really nice? People are uncomfortable with, I think, you know, when you've been through an interview and then you get that dreaded question at the end. So you've been grilled for an hour, you're sweating, you can barely say your own name, your legs are shaking and you, and you need a drink of water desperately. And then you get that dreaded question of, is there anything you want to ask us? <laughs> you're like, whoa, <laughs> hammered for an hour. I am mentally exhausted. Surprisingly, like all of the questions I had in my mind, like most of them have been semi-answered because we've been talking about the business. Right. But you feel like if you don't say something, then you look disengaged or disinterested. Yeah, I know. It's so true. So why, when you leave an interview, shouldn't the next email sequence be, hey, you might have some more questions in hindsight after spending some time away. 
drop it over to this chatbot where it'll reach our hiring manager and they'll be happy to write back. Yeah, I mean, really? really. Because like, yeah, yeah, there, it's like all that stuff. I mean, I even think like the tooling that you use um, and like how seamless scheduling is and mm-hmm. handoffs and how prepared people are and all that kind of stuff, man. It's like, there, there's not enough thought that goes into that. Like, it's just still like it's all it's all like viewed like in in silos yeah because because here, here's the thing like let, let's say you're 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 doing this that you're interviewing it for like a tech company which yeah. this happens you're interviewing for a tech company and then like scheduling is like a nightmare right like we live in an era where scheduling should never be a, a nightmare never there's enough cheap ass software out there that exists to make scheduling so easy you know, or like people aren't prepared or like, I, I just don't, I don't understand like why any of this stuff happens, but it, but it for sure makes you step back and go like, huh. So they're building like the latest and greatest software, but they can't even get scheduling. Right. Yeah. And I know some pipeline builders in all, all stages of the pipeline and ATSs will enable like a, an email sequence to go out. So if you hit a certain stage in your pipeline, but having said that, there then needs to be more stages in the pipeline. So like, instead of just going screen, um, application, phone screen, first stage manager, uh, first stage interview, second stage interview, hired or offered or rejected. There needs to be then some more softer stages where it's like post interview, bang, they get the email. Yeah. And what does that email have? How's it written? Like, yeah, what's it all about? Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, in short, I think we're both in agreement that candidate experience and how that's executed can become a really, really interesting way to drive. To drive more attention like obviously um it's not going to be the silver bullet but nothing is and the more we do this podcast the more my views change on going so leaning over to one tactic so much i think i used to do that where i was like hey the holy grail is this you must do yeah me too this. i did too like the more you do this thing the more you realize actually a healthy mix of everything including sourcing which i historically thought was was shit and still don't you know rate as many as much as many many recruiters out there but like it all forms part of the mix doesn't it it does and i think like here maybe we should end on this like uh the last like you said something earlier that i think was like summed it up really well is like that branding conversation is just like it's too early hmm. yeah way too early yeah for most teams yep yep nice Cool. Enjoyed it. Same again next week. Yep. Lovely. See you then. See you then. Okay. Bye.